continue this series on the end of the age and um, in today's teaching we want to have a look at two aspects we want to look at the fact that the new earth will be completely different to this current earth that we dwell in and then we want to look at um, we're going to start off with the subject of the new in the inhabitants of the new earth we won't finish that in today's teaching but we'll begin that section of it and so with regards to the new earth that god our father will create um, it's not the, to be confused with the new Jerusalem that our Father is crea has already created. Although the, the new Jerusalem will be located on the new earth, the two will be uh, relatively different from each other. And as we get into the series, when we look at the new Jerusalem, we will see um, the stark differences between the, the city of the new Jerusalem and the new earth that God our Father will create. Um, but nevertheless, we do need to have a look at the new earth because that's where the new Jerusalem will be housed. And so the scripture we can open up with today is in Revelation 21, verse 10 to 16. The scripture says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. The city is laid out as a square, its length, is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. It's one of the first things we notice about the new earth because in having a look at this passage of scripture, we're obviously shown the dimensions of the uh, city of Jerusalem, the new heavenly city. But that city will be placed on the new earth. And so uh, from looking at the, this passage of scripture, we can see uh, extrapolate out kind of what the new earth will look like as well. And one of the things we see straight away is the height of the mountain on which the new Jerusalem is placed. The scripture talks about tw uh, 12,000 furlongs, furlongs, I think it's how you pronounce it, uh, which translates to 2,400 kilometers. And so the height of that mountain is 2,400 kilometers high. Now, if we do a comparative between this current earth that we dwell in now, so we can get an idea by extrapolating out as to what the new earth will look like, the highest mountain that is currently on, the new, on this current earth is Mount Everest. And Mount Everest is roughly about nine kilometers high. Um, and so if you were to take the mountain of God, which will obviously be the highest mountain on the new earth, being at 2,400 kilometers high, well then you can see very clearly that the size of the earth to accommodate that size mountain, being the highest mountain on the new earth, will be substantially higher, uh, substantially larger than this current earth. And so the height of that mountain is roughly 267 times higher than the highest mountain that we have, which is Mount Everest at nine kilometers. And so the new earth will be roughly about the size of the planet Jupiter, which is in our current solar system. That planet is roughly 300 times the size of the earth uh, in, the, in the same solar system today. And so the new earth that God the Father will create will be roughly about 300 times uh, larger than the current earth that we dwell in. And so we just need to understand that you know the, the, the new earth that God our Father is going to create is going to be immense in size to what we're used to currently. Now what a lot of people do, not a lot, but there are people that 
what they do foolishly is they take those dimensions given to us in that passage of scripture as it pertains to the size of the city of Jerusalem and they try to place that city on the current earth, the same size. And it, obviously it's completely disproportionate. You're looking at a huge monstrosity that sticks out into space on top of the, the current earth. And obviously it's just that's foolishness. Because just as God is able to create this, the new Jerusalem to be so immense in size, so it is very possible and it will happen that God our Father will create the new earth to also be immense in size. It's not overly immense in size because currently the planet Jupiter exists in our solar system. And we're saying that the new earth will be comparable in size to the planet Jupiter, which is the largest planet in our solar system. Another passage of scripture we can have a look at, Revelation 21.1 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Don't forget, in this section now we're dealing with what the new earth will be like. And so we see, firstly, it's going to be huge. Vastly um, larger in size, 300 times larger than this current earth that we dwell in. But we also see in the new earth that there will be no more sea anymore. Um, and so that also helps us to get an understanding of what life will also be like on the new earth. Because um, currently on this current earth we dwell in, the oceans of the earth account for roughly 70% of the earth's surface. And so mankind can really only live on 30% of the earth's surface. And so not only will the new earth be 300 times larger than this current earth, but also the oceans will be done away with. And so whereas mankind can only live on 30% of the earth's surface, surface in today's earth, uh, going forward, mankind will be able to live on all of the earth. And so um, the, the living space available to mankind going forward in God's new earth is going to be absolutely immense, comparable to what we have now. And as we go through the series and look at the, the population of the new earth, we'll understand just why it is that God needs to have um, an earth that can accommodate a far larger population than what this current earth can accommodate. Um, just as an aside, um, many scientists today believe that this current earth that we dwell in, that it, they can, it can only sustain a population of roughly about 10 billion people. After that, they say that the, the resources of this current earth take too much strain and it will not be able to sustain a population much further than that. And so if you look at the population of the earth today, which is roughly 7.8 billion people, we're not that far away from the 10 billion mark. But that's just an aside. Another passage of scripture um, that gives us some insight into what the new earth will be like from the point of view of the differences that will exist between the new earth and this current. So the first difference we notice straight away is its immense size in comparison to the current earth. The second difference we notice is the fact that there are no oceans in the new earth, um, whereas we have oceans today. This other passage of scripture is in Genesis chapter 9, verse 11 to 17. <clears throat> um, God speaking, he says, Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you. 
and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember that everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. And so this passage of scripture is also very enlightening for us. Because why? Well, if you understand how um, the the atmosphere of of this current earth works, the way it works basically is that the, the sun evaporates the oceans of the earth. Um, and causes water vapor to rise up into the atmosphere. When that happens, that water vapor forms clouds. The clouds are then uh, carried by the winds inland, and the uh, clouds then cause the the rain to fall on the land. The rain then falls and um, accumulates into rivers, and the rivers in turn then flow into the sea. And so the whole, whole cycle carries on again. That's how this... Earth kind of operates from that point of view. Now you go to the new Earth and you remove the oceans. And so that creates a problem because now you take the oceans away, where's the water vapor going to come from to form clouds uh, so that the rain can fall on the ground? Well, the point is very clear. In the new Earth, there will be no more clouds because there will be no more rain. And God has said to us in this passage of Scripture that the rainbow forms in the cloud as a reminder of God's covenant between himself and the earth, never to destroy the earth again with water. And God will not need that reminder anymore going forward because he has uh, promised to never destroy the new earth. That new earth will continue forever and ever and ever. And so God doesn't need the rainbow anymore to remind him about his covenant. And so there won't be any clouds in the new earth because there won't be any oceans. And therefore, there will not be any rain in the new earth. And so we need to understand that. that because, again, we're looking at um, pretty stark differences between this current earth that we dwell in and the new earth that uh, we will dwell in as well. There will be no rain in the new earth. So if there's no rain in the new earth, how will God water the ground? Because the the plants and the, and the trees and every, all the herbs of the, of the ground will need still rain to be able, water to be able to grow and to flourish. Well, we can pick it up in Scripture. It's not something new that God will be doing. He'll revert back to what He originally did. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 to 6 says, This is the history of the heavens and the earth which, when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And so we see that God will just revert back to what he originally did. Because in the, in the, the current earth that we dwell in, 
Um, before the flood of Noah, rain was not known to man. Man knew nothing about rain, which is one of the reasons why Noah built an ark by faith, because he had never seen rain before. The earth had never experienced this before, and yet God said, yeah, I'm going to destroy the earth with rain. And so Noah went ahead and built an ark, and everybody around him laughed at him, because he's basically building an ark, a ship, in the middle of dry land, because you know, nobody in the earth had ever experienced rain. And so the way that God watered the earth in the, in the period from Adam, well, really from Adam, uh, all the way through to Noah, was this mist used to go up from all of the, uh, the, the ground and water the ground. That's how God did it. God will go to revert back to that process in the new earth as well. And so the new earth will not experience rain. The new earth will revert back to the way God originally created this current earth that we dwell in. No rain will, will fall. But there will also be rivers uh, and streams in the new earth. Where as we get into this series, we will see that in fact there will be rivers and streams in the earth. And so the point is then raised because we go back to the explanation of how uh, rivers form in this current earth. Water vapor from the ocean rises into the atmosphere, forms clouds, clouds are blown into inland, form the rain, rain falls on the ground, accumulates, forms rivers, flows back into the sea. And so people say, okay, well, you take the clouds away, you take the rain away, where did the rivers come from? Well, not all rivers um, are formed by rainfall. A lot of rivers, their source comes from a spring that comes up from within the earth. And so there's no reason to believe that God will not do that again in the new earth, that there will be springs in the new earth that will be sources for rivers to form and thus uh, flow. And you say, okay, well then, if there are going to be rivers and streams in the new earth um, and there's no sea, because currently all the rivers of the earth basically flow into the sea, uh, where will they flow to? Well, again, not all rivers of this current earth flow into the sea. There are rivers in this current earth that at the end of their course they just absorb back into the earth. They, they, they get to a point where they don't flow anymore, and then they just disappear back into the earth. When I say disappear, they uh, uh, absorb back into the aquifer below the, the um, surface of the earth. So again, there's no reason to believe that God won't do exactly the same going forward. And so we don't need oceans as this current earth does. And so that's another difference between the... Current earth and the new earth, no rain. Um, another difference that we will see, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. Scripture says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. And so one of the problems with this current earth is it's under a curse. We've already established that. And because it's under a curse, it, curse it, one of the, the, the byproducts of that curse is that it produces thorns and thistles. And so going forward with the new earth that God our Father will create, um, there will be no curse in that earth. And so that earth will not produce thorns and thistles. It will only produce uh, plants and trees which are, are pleasant to the sight and good for food. Very ex exactly the same as it was when God first created the earth when Adam and Eve were on the earth. Genesis 2.9. 
uh, the scripture says that every plant uh, and herb of the, uh, on, the, on that in that earth at that time was pleasant to the sight and good for food. It, had, it produced no thorns and thistles at that time. It was only when the curse entered into the earth that that type of um, growth took place in the earth as well. And so all of that will fall away. That, that will not be present in the new earth. Um, again, quite a big difference between this current earth and the earth to come. Another example of, um, well, okay, now on this point here, I'm going to be highlighting the fact that not everything about the new earth will be completely different to this current earth. And again, just on the points that I've raised so far, um, it's not completely different. In science, you know, as I say, God's already created Jupiter, and he's created other stars and planets which are far larger than Jupiter. So, you know, for him to create the new earth the size of Jupiter is not a big issue for God at all. Um, the fact that there will not be any rain is not really new um, because back as we've mentioned before the time of Noah that's exactly how this earth functioned anyway um, and so there are things that are seemingly different but it's actually not different think about the thorns and the thistles we see that now but Adam and Eve never saw that they, that was not part of the creation that they experienced from God so God will just revert back to that but there is also other aspects about this current earth that will also continue in the new earth. It will not be any different to what we currently experience in this earth. We can pick it up in Genesis 8, verse 20 to 22. The scripture says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. And so that passage of Scripture, particularly verse 22, is pertinent for this current earth, but also pertinent for the new, the new earth that God will create. In that, uh, let's go back to it. Um, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night will remain. The, a more accurate translation of that passage of Scripture says, as yet all the days of the earth, or as the Derby trans Bible translation says, henceforth all the days of the earth. So what God is saying, he's indicating to us in this passage of scripture, these things will remain throughout all eternity, as far as the earth is concerned. Sea time and harvest, um, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. That will be in both this current earth, which we obviously experience, and that will be present in the new earth as well. A lot of people seem to think that all of that falls away, not at all. That will stay in place that's how God has designed the earth to operate for all of eternity. He says it will always remain. Um, Revelation 20 verse 1 and 2 says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. 
And so we see in this passage of scripture, in describing the new Jerusalem to us, it also kind of expounds for us the fact that there will be seed time and harvest, because even though the tree of life will produce a new fruit every single month. And the fact is there will be um, winter and summer, because the, the scripture talks about 12 months experience in the new Jerusalem. Not as so much as in the New Jerusalem, but the 12 months will be experienced. Thus indicating to us that the new earth that God will create will revolve around a sun and will take a year to go around. Just like this current earth takes a year to revolve around the sun. And thus there will be 12 months. And so the seasons will still be in place in the new earth. Uh, cold and, 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 and heat, winter and summer, day and night will still be in place in the earth. Um, it seems to be that the seasons will not be as pronounced in the new earth as they are in this current earth. You say, well, how is God going to do that? Well, currently the, the current earth tilts at an axis, on its axis at an angle of 23.5 degrees. Now, that angle, it's the angle of the earth tilted on its axis that causes the seasons to take place. Uh, that's the reason that we experience seasons in this current earth. And so... Um, that causes the seasons to be relatively strongly pronounced. We can actually, you know, it's quite easy to differentiate between summer and winter, especially in certain uh, parts of the earth. But it's quite possible that God will not cause the tilt of the axis to be as pronounced as this current earth is. And so we will not experience um, extreme differences between summer and winter. We'll experience difference between summer and winter. It will remain, but maybe not as pronounced as we see in this current earth. But nevertheless, the point is that there will be 12 months, and so the earth will still experience seasons going forward. Revelation 21, verse 23 to 25, the scripture says, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, the Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there. And so people read this passage of scripture and they say, see, there's not going to be a sun and a moon anymore because there's not going to be no night anymore. And, you know, there's only going to be day. Um, well, the, the passage of scripture is talking about the city of Jerusalem per se. It's not talking about the new earth. Don't forget, the city will be located on the new earth, on top of the, the mountain of God, which will obviously be the highest mountain on the earth at that time. Um, but the rest of the earth will still experience day and night, because the passage of Scripture doesn't say the sun and the moon won't shine anymore. It just says the sun and the moon won't shine in the city. And it, you know, it says that the, the, the gates of the city will not be closed at all by day, and there will be no night there. So, you know, if there was no moon and there was no sun and there was no day or night anymore in the new earth that God created, well, it would just say, the passage would just say, the city gates will not ever be shut. But it doesn't say that. It says the city gates will not be shut by day and there will be no night there. So it's just pointing to the fact that in the city itself, the city will not experience day and night. We'll understand that as we get into the, the section that we deal with the new Jerusalem. But with regards to the rest of the earth, the new earth that God will create, there will definitely be experienced both day and night as well. 
and we need to understand the difference between the two. Um, the new Jerusalem and the new earth. They will experience different atmospheres, so to speak. Um, and so, you know, God did say that in Genesis 8.22 that as far as the earth is concerned, for all eternity, that there will be summer and winter, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, day and night. That will continue. And that will continue in the new earth that God will create. Isaiah 66 verse 22 and 23 says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I shall make remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that one, from one new moon to another, and one, from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And so God gives us insight into what the new earth will be like. Because in this passage, he says what will happen is that through all eternity, from one new moon to another, and one Sabbath to another, all flesh on the earth will come and worship before him. Now, in order for them to come and worship God the Father from at the time of the new moon, there has to be a moon. And so there will definitely be a moon in God's new earth, that he, new heavens and new earth that he will create. And that uh, moon will again uh, revolve around the earth every 29 and a half days. That's what it currently does. And so that will be in place. The earth will continue to revolve on its axis every 24 hours. And that's why we will know that seven days have passed and we now enter the new Sabbath. And that's thus we come and worship before God. And so very clearly those aspects of this current earth will be experienced by the new earth as well. It won't be different. It will be the same. There will be day and night, 24 hours. There will be a, a Sabbath we'll observe every seven days. Um, there will be a new moon that will be observed every 29 and a half days. Um, there will be sea time, there will be harvest, there will be cold, there will be um, heat, and there will be summer, and there will be winter. Those things will remain for the new earth going forward. And so, what about the inhabitants of God's new earth? Well, they're going to be different to what we experience in the earth today. Revelation 21, verse 23 to 27. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so this passage of Scripture talks about the nations of the earth, the nations of those who are saved, um, in verse 24, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And these nations bring their glory and honor into the city. So very clearly, these nations that are saved are living outside of the city walls. They're not living inside the city walls it's, itself. So who are these nations that are living outside of the city walls uh, in the new earth that God is uh, going to create? Well, we understand, we've said it already, that these are the children of God that are currently in heaven. And we said that the current population of the children of God in heaven is estimated be, be, to be 
be between between 20 and 25 billion people uh, presently. Now that's roughly four times the size of the population on the earth that live, that's living today at 7.8 billion people. And so we kind of get an idea very clearly as to why it is that God's going to create such a large earth because it's going to be populated by such a large population. Uh, the initial population of the new earth will be roughly about 25 billion people. And that number will continue to grow as we head into the new age. It will not stay static. The saints of God, the church, will remain static. But once that number is finite, it, it reaches its, its maximum, what, what God has decreed it to be. That is finite. It stays there. It will never grow again. But the inhabitants of the new earth will continue to grow um, as we head into the age. And so you can understand now why it is that God needs to create an earth that can accommodate such a large population. Uh, we, a scripture we can look at, Isaiah 11, 6-9 says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young ones shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like, a, like the ox, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand into the viper's den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so, um, very clearly, this passage of Scripture is talking about children. It's talking about um, little children, nursing children, and weaned children. So where do these children come from? Well, we know they won't come from the church because the Bible is very plain. Our Lord tells us in Matthew 22, 30, that his saints will not marry nor be given in marriage. And so there will be no increase there. But there are going to be children born into God's new earth. So where will they come from? They will come from the children of God. And you understand the concept I differentiate between the saints and the children of God just for the sake of this teaching so we can know what I'm talking about. And so the children of God on the earth, when they inhabit God's new earth, they will be given in marriage and they will marry and they will have children, and they will grow in numbers. And so that is where we see this passage coming to pass in God's new earth, in that we have little children, weaned children, and nursing children, because they will come from the, uh, the families that will then exist in the earth as those pop that population grows. So don't forget, it starts out with a population of roughly 25 billion people, and will continue to grow from there. And so it, they will need a vast land space to accommodate uh, their growth in numbers because they will continue to grow in numbers. And so it won't be like in today's earth where one is considered to be extremely blessed of the Lord to see your great-great-grandchildren born into the earth. That won't be considered a blessing anymore because all generations will see generation after generation after generation after because don't forget there's no death and so there will just be increase whereas in this current earth we see increase and decrease taking place simultaneously because people are being born into the earth and people are dying all the time but in god's new earth there will only be people born into the earth no more death and so the population will grow uh continue to grow and so um 
parents will become grandparents, will become great-grandparents, will become great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents, and will see all of their generations as they continue to grow in the earth. And so that's how this earth... We're going to continue on the inhabitants of the earth. We're going to end the teaching on that point today. But in the next teaching, we'll continue with this topic of the inhabitants of the earth, earth new earth, because we do need to understand. Um, because there's a difference, uh, quite a vast difference between the people that will be living on God's new earth and the saints who will be living in the new Jerusalem. And we need to understand how the two will need to react with each other. We're going to end the teaching on that point. Amen.